new CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in to edition three of Jason Staples Scouting Reports, UNC Football Scouting Reports. Look, if you're a member of the Tar Pit Premium Message Boards, you know what we're about to talk about. If you're not, you need to get on the Tar Pit Premium Message Boards at Inside Carolina and join the fun. Jason Staples breaks down roughly 50 or so players each offseason. Earlier uh, this month, or last month actually, it's already June, we talked Good about Lord. the I know, really. We talked about the cornerbacks. We talked about the safeties. Those podcasts are up. All of those scouting reports are up. Today, we bring you the linebackers. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, of course. Staples, let's get right into it. Deuce Caldwell. Well, first of all, let me start this way. Carolina plays two linebackers. And Carolina played two linebackers virtually the entire season <laughs> last year. Um, so the first three guys we're going to talk about is a couple freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and injured guys. Um, but they didn't play. They didn't play hardly at all. So Jason has gone through extensive spring ball practice tape and any other tape he could get his hands on. And let's start with Deuce Caldwell. Deuce, of course, uh, has some flashes, Jason. Just tell us what you saw when you were evaluating this young man um, because at some point he's going to need to play. You'd think. You'd think that at some point somebody other than the the starting two linebackers would would need to play. But uh, the last, what, three or four years of Carolina football would have you thinking maybe that's not the case. So – in any case, I think he's a guy that, um, first of all, he was, he was a safety in high school. So that, that, that tells you a little bit about his athleticism as a player. Uh, I think the, the way to think about him is he is a rangy, sort of twitchy player at the, at the backer position. That's basically what he brings to the table. He's, a, he's an athlete. Uh, thing that sticks out, and you can see this, if you go back to his high school stuff, which I did because there's not a ton of college footage of him, I went back and looked at the high school stuff as well. In the high school stuff, you can see he he looks like the fastest guy in the field most of the time. In fact, in pretty much every clip I saw, he looked like the fastest guy in the field. So you're looking at a guy that can really run and a guy that has burst and acceleration. And when he tackles, he runs through you. He's a guy that that he he takes that acceleration and he he really believes in you know tackling to the other side of the of the of the guy he's tackling so he's got some pop there 
as well. And and that's something that, you know, anytime you get a guy that's, that is working from the, the safety position down to the linebacker position, uh, you, you, you're going to have questions about how physical he is. I don't think that's really a concern with him. He's a guy that's willing to mix it up. Uh, so he brings that safety kind of athleticism, although not. I don't think he's as athletic. He's, he's not athletic enough to play safety at this level, which is why he moved down. But he, he basically is bringing that kind of athleticism to the table with the the physicality and just the uh, the desire for contact that you want in a backer. So that's really where the strengths lie for him. Uh, I think he's got the capacity to be a pretty decent coverage backer moving forward, although I think he's more linear in terms of his overall skill set. So he's really bursty, straightforward, runs really well straightforward. He's not quite as um, as fluid when you ask him to turn his hips and, and transition uh, and, and so in terms of his, uh, of his footwork and some of those things, he's not, he's not as, as fluid as what you'd like for a true coverage backer. But I think with his speed, he's a guy that can play sideline to sideline and isn't going to be a guy that's going to be a huge liability in coverage because he can run with more, more of those players that he's going to wind up having to, to match in, in, in coverage or, you know, wall off on verticals, that sort of thing. He's got the athleticism to do that stuff. And that's what he brings to the table. Yeah, and he's got a little bit of thump. I mean, obviously he had a play in the spring game that you talked about a lot. But I want to uh, wrap up the discussion of Deuce Caldwell with your player comp. Now, these always are funny to me. Um, and they get people worked up or they get people really <laughs> excited. And, and your player comp for Deuce Caldwell is none other than Cedric Gray. And Cedric Gray has been a flat-out stud. We'll talk about him later in, in this podcast. What did you see in those two guys that made you sort of add that for Deuce Caldwell's potential to be another said gray? Well, I mean, these com- these comps are really about finding somebody who, in terms of body body type, uh, style of play, some of those sorts of things really matches on. And and there's not there's not an easy immediate comp that stood out for for uh, for Deuce, but when you look at it, you look at, he's a pretty similar size to, uh, to, to gray. Both of them played, you know, back end safety type stuff in high school. Uh, both of them pretty bursty athletes. I don't think he's quite as fluid as a set is, uh, in terms of turning and running, but similar kind of, uh, instinctive player with burst moving from the back end, to the middle of the defense uh, and, and just some of the, the physical similarities stood out, I think is, is the biggest thing uh, that, that I gathered there. Again, I don't think he's quite as fluid as Cedric, but otherwise there's, there's a lot, a lot of things that I think do sort of match up there. Yeah. And, and one thing about, and Mac has taught, Mac Brown's talked about this a lot and, and this is tough to deal with in the portal. Um, and this is what is, is for a lot of, of these guys that will play behind the starters is they're very important on special teams and Caldwell's shown a, a willingness to get in there and, and go hit somebody and, and on special teams. And so that'll play dividends for him if he doesn't get on the field as, as one of the linebackers. And we'll talk about why um, that is iffy at this point in the season, but we, I do feel like Caldwell 
um, can play his way into some meaningful snaps. And I see that you've included that as well on your scouting report. So Deuce Caldwell, a young man who will provide value special team, valuable special teams help and potentially um, be special at the linebacker position for North Carolina. Going down the list, Amari Campbell. Now, this is another guy. When you listen to the coaches, they mention his name. And we've talked about Seth Gray and, of course, Power Eccles. And we'll talk about Sebastian Cheeks in just a second. But what did you see from Amari Campbell? Another another guy, similar-sized um, as do similar-sized, you know, six-foot-ish, 230-ish pounds or whatever. Yeah, what I don't think he's anywhere close to 230. But, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the list – got to remember, the, the listed weight on the roster is aspirational yep. at North Carolina. They are not yep. putting the guy's actual weights down. So, you know – your mileage may vary. The weight may be within 15 pounds. It's kind of like a plus or minus 15 pounds on the roster that you have to go with. And you kind of have to eyeball these guys to get a sense. I think he's closer to six foot, maybe two, maybe 220. But That's anyway. A, I, um, I list my weight aspirational. So somebody says, how, how much do you weigh? I say, I'm 215. <laughs> Aspirationally. Uh, early enrollee, three-star. What, what from Campbell, um, sort of break down what you saw from Campbell's tape and, and Campbell's history. Obviously, Brand new at Carolina, um, got some early important reps in the spring. What does he bring to the table that North Carolina fans can look forward to? I think he's an instinctive guy. Uh, he did not look like a true freshman out there in the spring. Um, I think he he's a guy that he's shorter than you'd like, and you know doesn't have a whole lot of length. You know, some guys are short but like super long, and that that means that the that the, the the actual height doesn't matter that much I think Campbell is a guy that he's just he's just on the on the little bit shorter than ideal side at six foot and he's a legit six foot in terms of length um, but he is a guy that is strong through the core he's already he already looks like he's been in the weight room a good bit you know thick through the hips and, and thighs uh, and He's actually pretty fluid, so I don't think he's as explosive or bursty moving forward as Deuce is. But I do think he's a guy that is a little bit more fluid when he's asked to turn and move and you know move his hips and and all of that. He's a very uh, a, a balanced type of player, and you can tell. You know, a lot of a lot of linebacker coaches that I talk to like getting linebackers who played high, who played running back in high school. And he's a guy that played running back and played it pretty well in high school. And you can kind of see that in terms of how he sees stuff in front of him and just how he moves and all that. He looks like a, a, a converted running back playing linebacker right now. And that's, that's a good thing. That's not a knock. That's a, that's a good thing just in terms of how he naturally sees what's coming in front of him. He's got good feel. Uh, and he's a guy that I think – has the capacity to be again, another kind of sideline to sideline type player. Uh, and a guy that I think has the, the quickness, the short area quickness to be pretty good as a, as a match defender and underneath zones and that sort of thing. So again, sort of your new age type linebacker that, that you would expect for this kind of two linebacker defense. I, I think he's a guy that, that fits well there. It's going to take a little bit more time for him uh, in terms of, He's not coming in with, you know, five star, five star body 
ready to go, you know, NFL body right out the gate. But he he does have uh, pretty good overall maturity and some thickness to him. So he's a guy that I think can be a really good contributor on special teams and then is a guy that's going to contend for a role in, I think, in 2024. He's not – and and there's and not a guy that if he's on the field – this year, I don't think he's a guy that that hurts you a bunch because of those instincts. Those instincts are pretty good, I think. Yeah, potential to be a good player. Another one of those guys that got to see him on the field. Got to see how they develop. Um, that'll be a big deal for Tommy Thigpen, Gene Chizik this year is to develop guys. Um, and another one of them that needs to develop is Sebastian Cheeks. And Cheeks is a young man. I believe he was on the cover of one of the school magazines early on. He's been hurt. He's been injured. But there's a lot to like when you talk about Sebastian Cheeks. Jason, sort of break him down for North Carolina fans. Yeah, if you draw up a new age linebacker in terms of the height, weight, speed, quickness, fluidity kind of mix, it would look a lot like Sebastian Cheeks. I mean, he he really is cl- pretty close to prototypical for an inside off inside off the ball linebacker in, in a modern defense these days. He's every bit of six, three. I think he's, I, I think they list him at two thirty as well, but I, I think he's closer to two twenty five or so he's, he has put on some of that weight. Uh, I think he could carry probably two forty at the next level if he gets there. But I think, you know, two thirty to two thirty five is, is realistic for him as a playing weight in, in, in college. And he'll be able to carry that weight. He's got the frame, and the length to carry that weight without losing speed. And I think he's a guy that's probably just under a four, six. I mean, I think he, I think he's got a lot of burst to him, a lot of, uh, of good acceleration and, and even long speed. He's a guy that can play sideline to sideline. And he does that with, again, the, the bulk of his weight is, you know, chest down. It's not, he's not, uh, or I guess belly down. He's not a guy that's uh, that's top heavy or anything like that. He he can play with an, a nice natural pad level, and and has the size and and uh, and pop to be able to play in the box. So really, a lot of positives there in terms of uh, the tools that he brings to the table. The big issue is he's already he's already been dinged up. He's already uh, had some shoulder. I, I think it was shoulder stuff and. You know that you, you really one of the things that you don't want to see is shoulder issues, shoulder injuries with linebackers. Because I mean, one of the things you're expecting from those guys is they're taking on blocks every play with their shoulder. And if you've got a guy that's already had a shoulder had shoulder problems, sometimes it that stuff never fully goes away. So that's the thing that you've got to worry about with him. I think moving forward in terms of of his development is they, they have to make sure that he is fully healed and that he's prepared to be able to handle things, uh, taking on blocks and all of that without without getting re-injured. That's the real concern with him, but I think he's a guy that could develop into an all-ACC-type player and, and has a he has an NFL frame and athleticism for sure. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and then develop into that. Yep, got the ability, got to have the availability to develop fully. Sebastian Cheeks, Deuce Caldwell, Amari Campbell, the three North Carolina backups that North Carolina fans will certainly hope to see a lot of this year. 
this is the linebacker scouting reports. That's Jason Staples on Tommy Ashley and Johnny T-shirt.com, of course, sponsors. Uh, let's talk about the two that we do know. And, and Jason, I'm going to flip you because I know you did said first in this pair, but I'm going to start with Power Echoes here. Power Echoes, uh, I, I know that Cayman Rucker, they call him Rolling Ball of Butcher Block or Rolling ball of butcher knives or whatever power echoes is like uh, a piece of dynamite with feet and legs running after people this kid loves to hit he's intense he's fiery if you talk to any of the players who's the most intense guy on the team who's the most competitive it's him just sort of break down power echoes and what you see not the biggest guy in the world but if you don't see him coming he's going to get some some good wood on you Power echoes, Jason. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that that he plays the position like a throwback. You know, he he he's not 6'3", 240. He he isn't, but he plays like he thinks he is. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the thing is he is a uh, you know you've all you always see these you know smaller dogs and it's like that dog thinks he's a bigger dog. That that's kind of power Eccles. Is he's a little bit smaller. I mean, he's 5'11", 220, I think, somewhere in there. Uh, maybe he's two twenty five coming into the season, but that doesn't stop him from playing like he's another fifteen pounds heavier. And he he just throws his body around, and and it's one of those things interesting about football is sometimes when you're when you play trying to avoid getting hurt, you're going to be the guy that gets hurt. But if you you're a guy that plays just on the edge and just throws your body in there. You, you kind of get used to the contact. You're the one that's delivering the blow and you end up not actually getting hurt. I think that's kind of how he is. And, you know, he, he, the guy played 871 snaps last year, which was the third most on the team and didn't seem to slow down like that, that the guy, he's just relentless. That's what he does. Uh, so, you know, he's aggressive, plays with a chip on his shoulder. He understands, you know, fronts and all of that. He can, he can direct the defense, although really it's said at this point that is the, the real, the, the, the primary leader there. They've really got two leaders at, at linebacker. Uh, Eccles is sort of the emotional core on that side and just doesn't, he's relentless. That's what he does. Now he's got some weaknesses. Yep. You know, he's, he, he is a guy that, you know, Notre Dame, came in and they had clearly identified him as the weakness of the front seven that they could take advantage of over and over again. And they ran at him and then they threw at him and then they threw at him some more. And he had a real rough game against Notre Dame. Uh, he, he had a couple other tough outings where teams took advantage of him, particularly in the passing game where he's not as natural in coverage. Uh, you know, he needs to clean up his initial footwork. There are times where, his diagnosis of, of what's happening in front of him is just a hair slow. And, you know, he's, he's not the most fluid when he has to change direction. He, he is a guy that, that playing sideline to sideline when he's, ch when he's chasing, I think he's got pretty good speed. He's, he, I think he's above average in terms of his, of his overall speed, straight speed, but a little choppier when he has to, to move and to cover and teams, took advantage of some of that last year, especially through the first half of the year. Uh, and the other thing too, is that there are times where I think he takes some bad angles, sort of overestimates his own speed 
and you can see him just get a little bit off axis and he misses more tackles than you would like to see from a guy who really is a thumper. When he's straight on, he doesn't miss many of those because he's bringing the lumber. But there are too many times where he's a little bit off axis or the angle's just not right and he kind of slides off of, uh, of, the, of the guy that he's trying to tackle. And, you know, that's, that's an issue. And then, you know, the other thing is when teams targeted him in, as, as a, uh, a coverage player, he gave up a 91.3% completion percentage last year. So, I mean, it was pretty close to automatic when teams targeted him as the main guy in coverage that they were going to get a completion. And, uh, you know, the passer rating when he was targeted would have ranked number six nationally for quarterbacks if it was a, a full season, 116.7. Uh, just for perspective, Drake May, his NFL passer rating at the end of the year was 109.7. So teams that targeted uh, Eccles at, in the passing game last year, the quarterbacks on those throws were more efficient than Drake May as a, as, as a, a on, on the season. So that's something that needs to be cleaned up. The good news on this is I thought there was significant growth against in the last three games of the season there. I thought he played well against NC state and NC state's a team that throws a lot to, to their backs and, and tight ends. And I thought his, I thought his game against Oregon was by far the best game he's played at North Carolina Oregon tried to target him some in coverage and he was there repeatedly. He did a much better job of diagnosing and matching on some of those things and not overhelping, not chasing the mesh guy too far, passing guys off in coverage. All of those things that were issues for him earlier in the year. I thought a lot of that got cleaned up against Oregon. The hope is that that was the turning point for him this year. And then that, that, that basically helps complete his game so that he can be a reliable player in that area. And now all of a sudden that really solidifies a, a core part of Carolina's defense that was a weakness last year. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Yep, and let's turn to the last guy on the list, Cedric Gray. Uh, Gray, of course, uh, back to North Carolina for another season, award field season last year. Just played, uh, you know, ridiculously well at times. Jason, let's start. Let's work backwards here with Gray because we could talk about all of his positives first. Let's do it the other way around. Let's talk about what Gray needs to improve going into 2020. 23 that you did not see from him last year or the year before because on the untrained eye watching gray there's not much to to, to pick on uh, 
What did you see when you were evaluating him for this series? There's still too many missed tackles overall. Um, and I think that's been a theme with the North Carolina defense in general, that, that this was not a good tackling bunch last year. Uh, and the biggest thing for, for me on him is there are times where, in terms of the missed tackles, there are times where I, I would like to see him come up and form tackle a little bit more often. He's so he's so fast and so athletic that I think he could be in position to, to get his shoulders involved and really thump through the tackle a little bit more rather than just wrapping and then dragging and then, you know, going down with the, with the ball carrier. So, you know, sort of wrap and drag technique where, you know, get your arms on him, wrap up, and then, you know, either the guy drags you a little bit and then goes down or other people arrive. That's sort of been his, his primary way of tackling. And I'd like to see him just a little bit more aggressively take guys down with contact on top of that, just a little bit more frequently. And, and, and so that's one thing, and, and that's tied to the other thing, and that is there are times where I think he's just a little bit off his gap fit on B and C gap runs. So those are the, the runs between the guard and the tackle and between the tackle and the tight end or the tackle and the split end. On some of those runs, sometimes he's a little bit further outside, like he'll, he'll, he'll start just a little bit further out and then come inside I'd like to see him a little bit tighter uh, with the correct shoulder more consistently on uh, on some of those so that he can actually close down some of that extra space and be in position for a little bit more for more frequent head up tackles. Uh, there are times where I think he's just slightly overrunning or just slightly out of, you know, halfway or, you know, even a quarter out of that gap, you know, two feet further into into the gap than what you'd like so that he's not coming downhill and making that contact. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. These are, I mean, look, this, if this sounds like nitpicking, it, it, it is a little bit, the guy's a really good player, but those are things I'd like to see. And then finally, you know, he's, he's really not a bend the edge type pass rusher. He's a guy that when, when he's blitzed, he's had success. He does a good job coming through, you know, a and B gaps as a blitzer. I'd like to see him, you know, you remember a couple of years ago, Chaz Surratt, there were times where they would line him up as an outside pass rusher, and he'd use his athleticism and his speed to, to get into the backfield from the outside. That's something we haven't really seen from Gray uh, on the edge. I'm not sure they're going to end up using him in that role at all, but I'd like to see that they could use him in that role. That's really where, where I think the, the improvements may, could lie for him. Yeah, I agree there. Now let's talk about the positives uh, because one thing it, it was you could guarantee that Cedric Gray was going to be in the post-game press conference because Cedric Gray probably had the best game of the defense for North Carolina most often. What are the positives? What have you seen that that sort of open your eyes and say this guy is not only a very good college linebacker but could play on the next level? Well, I mean, first of all, the dude is super smart. I think that's obvious. Just watching him play, he diagnoses quickly. Uh, he's a guy that, over and over and over again, you'll see teams try to use misdirection, you you know, screens, different things like that, and all of a sudden, there you know, you'll see three guys chasing after the quarterback, and you're like, no, 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 and all of a sudden, guy makes the catch, and said Gray is right there, making the tackle, standing up, making the little sign like, uh, 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 you ain't fooling me. He's a guy that, that sticks with what he's supposed to do. 
which is a really big value for, for a linebacker. He, he, he does his job and that, you know, that sounds mundane, but that's a really good place to start. And then you combine that with, I think he's a sub four, six in the, in the 40 at two twenty five plus. He, he runs like a lot of safeties at this level and he, only not only runs like that, but he's a guy that when it comes time for him to turn and run, when it comes time for him to redirect and change direction and all of that, he's well above average in those areas. He's a guy that that's more fluid than, than the normal linebacker. Uh, and he can cover both tight ends and slot receivers like a big safety. That is, that is a rare thing to have on your defense. Uh, and, you know, he, he basically, he can take a guy away in coverage. There, there have been a number of times where teams have tried to get a, a a wheel route or something where they're letting their running back run away from him. And there he is in coverage right on the hip of the running back and, you know, making a play or they get a wheel route on somebody else. And there's said gray recognizing a little bit late, like, Oh, they're going there. And then, you know, he's a robber or something in the middle, in the middle area. And there he is taken off with a great angle and manages to make a tackle or get a hand on a ball or something late. He just does all that stuff. And he's an eraser. He finds the football makes up for, he does his job. And then if somebody else screws up, he's athletic enough and smart enough to suddenly on the back end, find a way to take a good angle to, to keep it, to keep somebody else's mistake from turning into a touchdown. I mean, there, there's so many times where last year when it came time to make a touchdown saving tackle or a turnover or that sort of thing, it was going to be said gray. And, and he, he's done this the last couple of years. Last year, he paired that with really just doing his job with a high level of consistency and being in the right gap, making consistent plays as a coverage player and just consistently being a, a steady presence on the inside. So, I mean, there's just a ton of things that he does well. How important is it to have a guy like that, that basically leads the defense, make sure people are lined up, make sure all of that. What is said Gray's importance to North Carolina's defense? Well, I mean, it's like having a quarterback that can, that, that, that you can build your, your offense around. I mean, that's really what it is, is is you're making sure if there's one guy out there who makes sure that everybody's in the right gap up front, uh, that that's pretty valuable because, you know, more than 50% of the time, a big run happens when somebody's just in the wrong gap. And so if everybody's just in the right gap and plays with physicality in the proper gap, then you can have a good run defense. <laughs> it's really simple. I mean, football's not that hard when it comes to that, but you have to have a have you have to have a guy against you know the kind of teams that Carolina is going to play. You have to have a guy who understands like oh they're unbalanced or oh you got a tight end and a wing over here that means we need to shift to this. Here's our adjustment and you got to be able to do this in six seconds and make sure that that's communicated and make sure that you're in your proper in your proper gap as well. And he's a guy that can do that. That makes sure that that keeps you from giving up just freebies. And then you pair that with a guy who's really good in coverage as well. And, you know, that's a huge luxury. And also a guy who he played 985 snaps last year. <laughs> it's almost criminal. That's insane. That's yeah. this for what it's worth. That's the sixth most snaps in the country of defensive players last year. Wow. And the crazy thing is, if you watched him 
in the game against Clemson. He did not play like a guy who was worn down at all from playing almost a thousand snaps on the year. You watch him against Oregon and he was all over the field. Now that granted that's after a month of bowl prep. So, or three weeks of bowl prep. So he's not playing quite as much there, but you look at those last couple of games against NC state and against, against uh, Clemson, he was playing at an all ACC, you know, borderline all American level with that kind of workload. So, you know, when you have a guy that not only does all those things, but can do all those things without ever coming off the field, that that's a huge luxury. Overall, Jason, Carolina's linebackers, I feel like when you're watching the defense over the last couple of years, the linebackers, we talk about how good Gray is, how good Eccles can be. There's some things to clean up. Where's North Carolina's linebackers here going into 2023? I feel like it's more the same from last year with the two we've just talked about. But where does North Carolina improve this year at the linebacker position? Well, I think the the main thing is that you know – you sort of know what you're getting with the two that are returning. And you know that those guys are veterans who should be well above the the, the average unit in terms of starters in the ACC. They should be. Now, Eccles has to clean some stuff up where he, against better offenses, can be victimized or was victimized last year. For them to be above average, he has to take a, a, another step forward this year. Uh, and in particular, in his recognition and, and, and uh, making sure that he triggers you know, on time in the proper gap with a little bit more consistency uh, and you know, cleans up some of those, those coverage things. Presuming that happens and presuming they look like the, the, the linebacker tandem that played against Oregon, which I think is a good barometer coming into this year after they had a chance to kind of clean some stuff up after the season, then I think you're looking at a, at, at a linebacker position that should be, in terms of its starters, above the average in the ACC, probably in the top third of the ACC. And, you know, I think Gray is one of the, you know, four or five best linebackers in the ACC and, and I think a future NFL player. The concern is, is just like last year with the depth and, you know, you've got the remaining players on the depth chart at, at that, at this position of 18 snaps coming into the season mm. among them, right? That's, you know, that's not a whole lot to lay your to, to hang your hat on. You don't, you don't know exactly what you're going to get from those guys with live bullets flying this year with live rounds. Um, the, the plus thing is the good thing is that, that, I think Sebastian Cheeks is is a guy that has well above the the average the you know ACC average uh, talent for the position, and then Campbell and Caldwell are ACC level players in terms of of recruits. So really, it boils down to: Do you have? Can you find two of those guys who can who can give Eccles or Gray an occasional rest without there being? major consequences for that. That's really what you'd like. And you really need to make sure that you're in position where if one of those guys goes down for any amount of time, that you're not going to be, you're not going to basically just lose games because of it. And and I think that's got to be the focus coming into the, into camp. And I know in spring practice, they basically put gray on mothballs uh, as, as they should have, or they put him in bubble wrap a little bit as they should have through a good portion of camp in scrimmages, just basically having the young guys get all those reps and scrimmages. Cause it's like, we know what gray is. We need these young guys to be ready to play next year because if gray goes down, you're in trouble with, with, with where things are now. 
you've got some guys that could become pretty good players, but I think you've got, you've got to get those guys a little bit more ready in camp to feel comfortable moving forward. And that's where without, without gray on the field, this becomes probably a subpar ACC level line linebacking core, unless one of those young guys really steps up and grows uh, this year. That is Jason Staples. I'm Tommy Ashley. This has been UNC scouting reports, the linebackers, a series we're doing this summer Check out the corners. Check out the safeties. This is the linebackers in a few days. Edge, a few days after that, defensive tackles, and so forth and so on. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Thanks, Jason. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where the roommates This is a huge night. from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.